Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Amen. I'm going to pray just one more time before we get into our passage. Today we're going to be looking at Luke 9. We're jumping backwards. Obviously, you guys know I was a little bit sick, and so we praise God for the brothers who stepped in. I thought Jermaine did a great job last week. Um, Listening to him, I was like, man, he's making them not miss me. So, but it's good to be back. But I just want to, I just want to pray before we, we start. So God, we are sitting here right now, uh, comfortable, uh, but we are aware, Lord God, that there's people in uh, Europe who, that's not their reality right now. That there are people who are running for their lives. There are people who are losing their lives uh, because of uh, individuals committing evil acts. God, we are reminded as we watch the news, as many of us have been, Lord, that we are to be praying for your kingdom to come. We know, Lord God, that that is the day when there will be everlasting peace on earth. And so we pray for that right now, that your kingdom would come. And Lord God, as we, we wait, Lord, we pray and ask that you would grant peace, Lord, where there is war. Father, we pray that you would Continue to move the people who are hearing on the news, who are serving each other, who are helping each other, who are welcoming people into their homes, Lord, as they flee for their lives. We are reminded, Lord God, this week, God, that this is a hard world to live in because of the way human beings treat one another. We're reminded, Lord God, this week of how much we need a Savior and how much our world needs to be redeemed. We pray, Lord God, for justice against those who are committing acts of injustice. And Lord, we know and believe that you are a God who will do right, who will not let just injustice go unpunished. And so we can rest in that reality that justice will come, but Lord God, while we wait, we pray that you would intervene and bring peace, Lord God, where there is strife. We pray, Lord God, for those who are in leadership positions in the world, Lord God, that they would realize that those roles are given as a trust. Those roles are given to use authority in a good way, to use authority in a way that brings honor to you and protects life, not destroys it. We pray that you would wake those people up to that reality, even in our country, Lord. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, for you to intervene. We ask for peace. And we pray, Lord God, that you would help us now as we open your word, Lord, to hear it. Lord, I I believe this word even speaks right into the moment that we're in. Prepare our hearts. Help us to respond, to listen well, and to have a heart that's ready to hear and obey to walk in what you say, because we know it's for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So we are looking at Luke 9, uh, 37 to 50, and the 
title of our message is, there is a way to stay in a humble place. There is a way to stay in a humble place. In Mark 1, verses 14 to 15, it says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now I'm showing you that because I'm trying to remind you that a lot of you have done that. That you have repented, that you have believed in the gospel. But here's the thing, to do that, to do what Jesus commanded, actually takes a whole lot of humility. Because you have to acknowledge you need a savior. You have to acknowledge that you have sinned against God. You have to acknowledge that you need help. You have to acknowledge that you need transformation. It takes humility to actually do this. And you have done that. Here's the thing though. God, this is the takeaway today. God wants us to stay in the place of humility. So the place of humility is where God wants us to stay. But let me tell you something. That's hard. Staying humble is hard work. It takes effort. See, because pride sneaks back into our lives the way mice sneak into our homes. I'm, it's, I'm, it's true. If you were with me, say amen. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was going to a small group. And our small group, we're reading through Acts. And we happened to be on Acts chapter 9. And I kid you not, I was, go, I was walking in the small group. Me and Kim, we had to park real far because Shayon's house has not enough parking. So pray for that. And we're walking in. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I have nothing to learn. Going, that's what I was thinking going in the small group. Then Sam starts talking, Sam Isaac. And he says something that I'm like, I have never seen that before in Acts chapter 9. And then... Kim explains a verse that I was like, I just looked at her and I was just like, you're wrong. In, in small group. And then we get home and I'm sort of laying there in the bed and I'm thinking about what she said and then I'm thinking about the actual passage and God, because he loves me, because he's merciful, was like, Marv, you have been interpreting that verse wrong for years. So then I turned to Kim and I'm like, hey, you know what you said last, this, tonight at small group? She's like, yeah. I was like, you know, you were right. She's like, I know. <laughs> and then she goes, and we get to sit under your teaching. <laughs> she right, pray for us. We're in a good spot. But it's, the struggle with pride is very real. And here's the thing though, God knows that that's a real struggle for us. And he actually helps us by telling us to do something. It's in chapter 9, verse 35. It says, then a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. The way to stay in the place of humility is by listening to Jesus. That's how we stay in the place of humility. Listening to Jesus keeps us in a humble place. And the thing about this text is, there's all kinds of people acting prideful all over the place. Look at verse 37. It says, the next day when they came down from the mountain, you remember that shade before me was preaching, Jesus was up on the mountain. Now Jesus has come down the mountain. 
A large crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd cried out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son because he's my only child. So here you have a desperate father. And notice he says that this is my only child. So his child is sick. We're about to see that. But his, he says, my only child, which means the family legacy is on the line here if this child dies. A spirit seizes him and throws him into convulsions until he foams at the mouth, severely bruising him. It scarcely ever leaves him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Jesus replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long will I be with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. As the boy was still approaching the demon, see it? Now we are told what the spirit is. It's a demonic, evil spirit. Knocked him down and threw him into severe convulsions. But here comes the power of Jesus. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all astonished at the greatness of God. Here's this reminder again, as we've been working through Luke, a key theme in Luke, he's trying to tell you, Jesus is God. Astonished at the greatness of God. So Jesus meets this desperate dad. The kid is suffering. And notice that twice, you see in the text, he says, I beg you, Jesus, to help me look at my son. Then he says, I begged your disciples to do it, but they couldn't. They failed. And they failed because of a lack of faith. That's why Jesus rebukes them. Notice he says that he calls them an unbelieving, perverse generation. They lack faith. Now, you don't see this clearly until we actually look at this story in Mark. And here's what it says in Mark. It says, I brought my son to you. Uh, son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. It seizes him. It throws him down. He foams at the mouth. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out and never enter him again. And immediately when Jesus says that, the spirit leaves. After he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? They're like, how come we couldn't do it? We were trying, but we couldn't. And he said, and he told them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. See, the reason why they couldn't do it is because they did not turn to God. What you have here is the disciples are down the mountain trying to get this done on their own. They're acting pridefully. And what Jesus says when he says this is, there are some things in your life that you cannot do on your own, that you cannot deal with, that you cannot Fix that we actually, as a people, need to humble ourselves to say, we are weak and we need God's help. There's sometimes in your life, the only thing you can say is, Father, I stretch out my hand to thee, no other help. I know you need to help me here. Living a life of prayer and dependence on God is a sign that you're staying in a humble place, that you actually are living by humility. I love verse 42, it says, it says that Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. You should circle that in your Bible. You know why? Because what Jesus does for this boy is what he actually does for you and me. Do you know that? First Peter, let me show you. I'm not making it up. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sin, he might live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And that's called spiritual healing. 
You are healed. For you, what? We're straying like sheep away from the Father. But you have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your soul. Jesus looks at you, he takes you, he says, Phil, you need healing and I'm gonna do that for you by giving my life, then I'm gonna give you a new heart and I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna give you back to your father. Because of Jesus, you and me are right where we belong. Sometimes you hear Pastor Yogi go, praise Jesus, who's heard that? That's why, because of what Jesus has done in your Life, verse, 40, verse 44 says, while everyone was amazed at all the things that he was doing, he told his disciples, this is 43 into 44, sorry. Let these words sink in. The son of man is about to be trade into the hands of men. So Jesus works a great miracle and then he reminds them of, his, of a coming reality, his coming reality. He's like, I'm gonna be betrayed. I'm going to die. Now, I grew up in a, a housing complex, and in the summertime, the, me and my boys in the complex, we'd play manhunt. Now, I always, in the summer, had to go in at seven o'clock. Now, if you know summertime, it's still bright outside, right? I don't know why my mom had that, but you know, if you didn't go in, you, it was trouble, so we went in. And so, what would happen is, I would hide, and then, when I was like hiding long enough, I would sneak home. <laughs> then my boys would see me in the morning. They're like, yo, Marv, we couldn't find you. And I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? I was hiding. I was behind like the dumpster. And then it got dark. And so I just went home. I was like, these guys can't find me. Now, you know, I was lying. And the whole reason why is like, I didn't want them to know that I still had to go home when it was bright, right? So I lied. Now, what the Bible calls that is it calls it the fear of man. I was afraid of looking bad, so I lied. And this fear of man that I was experiencing, struggling with, is exactly what the disciples are struggling with right now. Look at verse 45. It says, but they did not understand this statement. It was concealed from them so that they could not grasp it and they were afraid to ask him about it. They didn't want to look bad. They were confused, all the way confused. But they say nothing. The fear of man and the fear of man is just, an, is just pride being expressed. They're confused. Have you ever been in that spot? You hear something taught in church? You read something on your own, right? Just read the minor prophets, right? Sometimes you're like, I don't know what's going on. But what? You're confused and you say nothing. You simply play it off. Well, this text is challenging us not to do that. Not to be those kinds of people who don't say something. The Bible's telling you, speak up, ask questions. That is the way to get help. That is the way to get the discipleship that you need. That is the way to actually grow, to humble yourself and say, I don't get that. And ask for somebody to help you. And when we do that, we're, we're in that humble place that God wants us. Verse 46, an argument started among them about who was the greatest of them. There's pride right there. So they, this, is, this is funny to me. You gotta think about this, right? It's good for us to like read our Bibles, like just 
put yourself in this situation. They're in front of the greatest. Think about this. Jesus just healed a demon out. Now, they're in front of the greatest, arguing about who is the greatest. This would be like Phil and Shayon standing in front of Denzel Washington on a movie set. <laughs> arguing about who the greatest actor is of all time. Denzel's like, you know what that Denzel style, he's probably just like, brothers, have you seen Training Day? Have you seen Fences? Like, have you watched, remember? hey, it's a funny scene. They're being prideful. They're being childish. Verse 47, Jesus says, but Jesus, knowing their inner thoughts, took a little child and had him stand next to him. He told them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For whoever's least among you, this one is great. That, that phrase, whoever's least among you, this one is very important. Do you know why? Because this child that Jesus takes and has him stand right in front of them, next to them, in that culture was considered least. The child in that culture had no status, had no rights, had no power. And Jesus says, even though this child has none of these things, this child is still valuable. And what he's doing is he's exposing that the disciples have been caught up in the lie that what makes a person valuable is what they do, what they have, and who they know. See, they've lost sight. They're not thinking straight. That's what's going on here. And what you have is a bunch of brothers who have lost sight of the fact that what makes a person valuable is the fact that they're made in the image of God. That is what makes a person valuable. It's not what we know. It's not what we have. It's not what we do. It's that we're, we're God's children. And you know what this means? When Jesus takes this child and puts it in front of them, Jesus is saying, my disciples, you need to understand, all people are valuable. All people are valuable. And when, here's the thing, whenever this gets forgotten, whenever this gets ignored, what, you, what happens is, is the door to injustice swings wide open and a whole bunch of evil, sinister people walk through that and commit acts of injustice. That's why you and I have to be people who hold up the value of all people and promote and defend that. Because if not, then things like sexual violence happens. The Holocaust happens. Neighborhoods are gentrified where people are pushed out like they don't matter. Human trafficking. You have things like domestic violence. I'm trying to show you. We, there's things like you exclude people who have physical disabilities. There's the destruction of a place that some of you know called Africville. Those, it's because we start to look and say people are not valuable. When we get into this kind of mindset, countries invade other countries and simply destroy life. Why? Because they've forgotten that the people over there are made in the image of God. Jesus here shows us the value of all people because he wants us to defend that. He wants us to be a people who speak up when we see people being mistreated and being treated like they're trash. Not to sit back, 
But to say that is not right, to expose the people who are doing that, and then also to do whatever we can for them to be locked up for the things that they're doing. We don't just sit back. He also tells us that all people are valuable because Jesus wants you to know that you're valuable. See, you live in a world where some people might not know your name. People walk past you all the time like you don't matter, but you need to understand in God's economy, you matter. You are valuable. Turn to somebody right now and say, you're valuable. Come on, lift your voices. Tell them you matter. You're valuable. You matter in God's economy. Think about this. In God's world, in God's economy, you are known. Do you know that? The Psalms say that God takes thought of you every day. In God's economy, you are gifted. You have a unique gift that God has given you to use, to bless and build up the body of Christ. In God's economy, you are loved. Do you know that? Just simply remember that God gave his son for you so that you could have life, so that you could be sitting here. You matter to God. And when you realize that, when you understand that you are valuable, and that's why I'm pushing this so hard, it stops you from chasing greatness. You don't have to run around chasing greatness. You need to understand, some of the greatest acts of evil that we've seen in the world is being committed by people who all they're doing is they're trying to be remembered. And there's all kinds of injustices happening in our world because of people who are there just trying to chase greatness and on the path on that chase, they commit all kinds of evil and hurt a whole lot of people. Jesus is trying to protect us. Remember, You're valuable because you're made in the image of God. Now, you might be sitting there and you're thinking, okay, Marv, if I don't have to chase greatness, does that mean I shouldn't strive for excellence in my work, in my studies, in my relationships, with my health, stewarding my life? Do I I not have to strive for excellence? No, you should. It's it's, It's a good thing to work hard. It's a good thing to be good at the things that you do or the things that are going on in your life. But the thing you gotta really protect yourself from is when success comes, finding your value in those things. Because that can change like that. You can get your dream job today and be fired in a week, especially in this culture for being a Christian. So we don't put our worth in, in things. You find your value, you rest in the fact that you are a child of God made in his image. Verse 48 Where am I? He told them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Now notice that the word welcome is used there multiple times. And that's because Jesus wants us to be a people who welcome one another. And here's the thing, we can't let a person's status, their ethnicity, their style, none of that can get in the way. And I want to show you quickly how we can welcome people. We welcome people by acknowledging them. There's some things under there you can see that, that just acknowledging a person. All right? Think about our church family. We want to be a church that where, where people come in, they're new, we just acknowledge them. You matter, you're valuable. Welcome. By hearing them, just listening. Again, listening to understand, not simply just to respond. Let's get the next slide. By guiding them. Right again, somebody comes to our church. 
just helping them. How can I get settled in? How can I, how can I join this family? Maybe somebody's new to our city. How do, how do we welcome them in, helping them getting some, some of their questions asked, maybe some of the struggles they're working through. And then this last one, by learning from them. This is so important. Regardless of our social status, ethnicity, cultural background, we all have things we can learn from each other. And God wants us to be a people who have this posture of humility where we're teachable, we're always ready to learn. Verse 49 says, John responded, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow us. So now they're, they're sort of going along and now they tell Jesus, hey, we ran into somebody who was ministering, but we tried to stop him. And notice their reason, because he doesn't follow us. The, my man. So they're like, he doesn't go to our church. He doesn't dress like us. He doesn't minister like us. He doesn't look like us. Pride is what you see right here. That is what is going on. And notice, they're, pri- they're surprised. They're surprised that somebody else is being used by God. And in their pride, they try to stop the work of God. That's what, right? All because he doesn't look like us. See, when we're in a prideful place, we start to think we're the only one that God can use. When we're in a prideful place, we start to think that our thing is the only thing. And this text is showing you that is a bad way to think. Look at verse 50. Jesus says, don't stop him. That's a command. Don't stop him. Jesus told him, why? Because whoever is not against you is for you. Here's the, Jesus is like, guys, the brother's on your side. He just, that plain. Like, what are you doing? See, what you have here is in their pride, the disciples have forgotten what they're up against. They have forgotten what they think about. The Bible tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against demonic forces. And I want you to understand something. Again, here's good ways to read our Bibles. Notice how many times in this text the demonic forces are mentioned. There's a boy under the power of a demon. There's a man casting out demons. This text reminds us that Satan and his demons are here working against the people of God, working to destroy lives, working to divide churches, working to discredit the church. When you, have you ever understood why the culture is so anti-God? Why the culture is so anti-church? Because there's a real spiritual enemy working against us. And so what that means is we need all the help we can get. That one group can't get it all done. Gospel ministry is spiritual warfare. And we can't do the work. And so Jesus is telling them, when you see a healthy ministry, when you see a faithful ministry, when you see a doctrinally sound ministry or minister of the gospel, do not compete with them, celebrate them. Give thanks to God, praise God that we are not in the work alone because it's a spiritual battle 
that no one group can get it done all by themselves. And so we give thanks for this church that rents to us, Enderdale. We give thanks for Grace Fellowship Church up in North York. We give thanks, uh, sorry, up in Etobicoke. We give thanks for Thistletown Baptist Church where my friend Hassan pastors. We are grateful to God that we, our little thing is not the only thing. And I want us to be a humble church that doesn't look down on other churches, but just says, honestly, we praise God that you are working as well. And parachurch ministries, people who are doing the work to push back the darkness, we don't try to stop them, we celebrate them. And that is the humble place that God wants us in. Now this, here's a picture for you of a mouse trap. Now you're like, why are you showing me that? Remember what I started with. The way mice sneak into our homes, right? The mouse trap reminds us that we can kill them. Seriously. <laughs> that, that there's a way to get rid of them. It's the exact same thing with pride. Pride sneaks into our life like the way mice sneak into our homes. But this passage reminds us that there is a way to defeat pride in your life. So laugh all you want, but it's serious. There is a way to destroy this thing that creeps in. God wants us in a humble place. And we stay in that humble place. We defeat pride by doing what he says. By doing chapter nine, verse 35. This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And if you don't understand just how serious what I'm talking to you about is, let me remind you as, as to why God wants us to be a humble people. And it's Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride comes before destruction. And an arrogant spirit before a fall. The reason why I'm standing here and encouraging us as a church to be a humble people is because pride is destructive. Pride destroys lives. Pride destroys marriages. Pride destroys friendships. Pride destroys parent-to-child relationships. Pride destroys co-worker and co-worker relationships. Pride is destructive. But humility is beautiful. Humility is beautiful. And you see the beauty of humility by simply looking at our Savior who was all powerful. But the Bible says he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross in order to save you and me who are very prideful people who when we need to humble ourselves sometimes refuse. But the scripture is trying to show us that as a church, there's a way to fight for humility. There's a way to stay in the place of humility. And God is telling us this as a mercy because pride destroys life. So when you're choosing to be humble, and it's a choice, you're being wise. 
When you're choosing humility, you are protecting your life. When you choose humility, you are protecting our church. And so we step into it every day because we know humility leads to receiving even more grace from God. And when we choose to be humble, what we're saying is, God, I trust you with my life. You know better. You told me to listen to Jesus. I'm not gonna trust in my own wisdom. I'm gonna trust in his, and I'm gonna follow what he says. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. That is the way to stay in the place of humility. Let's stand and pray. Father, we want to be a humble people. God, we thank you that you have rescued us. And when we believe the gospel, that it was an act of humility. And thank you that in your word, you have shown us the way to stay in a humble place, the way to be wise. Lord, a humble people do a lot of good in this world. We want to be that kind of a place. So we pray, Lord God, for your grace and mercy to wash over us, to anoint us in a fresh way that makes us leave here committed, Lord God, to walk in humility, to follow our Savior, and to say we trust you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.